Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And, and our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped. Loves a circle with no end. No, what's going on? It's not about this last night. And he said, happiness is egg-shaped. Hey, um, happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped. Loves a circle with no end. Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison from Happiness Is Egg Shaped, and it's another one of those. I've got a big smile on my face because I'm speaking to someone from the past, but I've watched his journey from afar. I've spoken to him every now and then, but he is a storyteller, he's a coach, and he has gone way, way, way far away from these shores to go and make his way in the world. (laughs) Is he making his way in the world? I absolutely love his enthusiasm. I love his outlook. And way back in 2016, I think it was, he did an article for me on the website. He typed up his answers and he sent them to me. We published it and away we went. But now, with the beauty of the pod, we can see him and hear him. So from Canada, the rodeo, the kilted cowboy, the one and the only Mr. Graham Moffat. Hello, sir. Hi, H.E. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. I am absolutely buzzing to see you. Now, the kilted cowboy, forget rugby, where does the kilted cowboy come from? <laughs> yeah, it's a midlife crisis, I think, Bruce. I've always, uh, you know, they always say you're shaped by your environment. So I live in Alberta and it's uh, it's pretty um, Western. And so uh, I've been excited about doing some rodeo stuff. And so I had a crack last year at some steer wrestling. That was pretty scary. Fun, though. And then uh, I tried to ride a Holstein, unfortunately, I broke my hand. And then just last week, uh, I won a belt buckle at the Rimby Rodeo as uh, doing the, we became the wild cow milking champions. So there you are. <laughs> the wild cow milking champions. 
yeah, I, yeah. I can't even begin to figure what that is. Yeah, I didn't really know until about five minutes before either, but it was good. <laughs> and you and you won a belt buckle, and you sent me a picture of it on WhatsApp. You were pretty proud of that belt buckle. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. Small town rodeo, it was class. There's uh, some of the you know, uh, Courtney Holcamp that plays for Canada. So I was her dad's partner, and he's won it. I think the last seven out of ten times. But he needed a new partner, so I was I volunteered for it, and then I said, "Yeah, I'll do it." And then I uh, and then I had a look at a video and seen what it was, and I got a bit scared, but. I'm here to tell the tale, so it's good. So, hang on, let's rewind the tape. What happened to his old partner? <laughs> he got stood on. <laughs> he got stood on. I actually met him 30 minutes before, sorry, about 30 seconds before I went in the arena. And he says, oh, thanks for doing it. After last year, you know, I just I couldn't, couldn't do it. And I was like, and I watched the video of him getting his head trampled on. I'm like, oh, man, what am I doing? So, so you go to Canada to do rugby and you end up wrestling with wild cows yeah basically it's fun it's enjoy. Oh. it's enjoyable i just think oh. it's such a cool way of life and they're just like such great honest like down-to-earth people and it's just class being around them i really enjoy it if i had my way i'm trying to encourage my wife to for us to buy an acreage so i can have some horses but she's she's not she's not having it yet so i got a bit of, i got a bit more work to go some some people find lycra and buy expensive road bikes. Some people get motorbikes. Some people get up to mischief. But you've decided that I want horses and cattle. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. I don't want a sports car. I just want a just want a horse. <laughs> you've become very wholesome since you went to Canada. Uh, it's fun. It's fun. It's not. It's random living in the city because. I think our neighbours think we're mental. My son's always out with his rope lassoing, trying to <laughs> trying to do stuff. My daughter's awesome in it, actually. She was, she's pretty good. She's better than all of us. So, yeah, it's a, I don't know how we've ended up doing it, but it's been class. You, you must get pelters when you come home for the funny accent you've got now. It's, uh, you can't win. <laughs> I, I talk to people at home and they give me a hard time for my accent. And then, I, then after I've spoken to people from, from Scotland and then come back here, I get a hard time for talking funny again, so... It's a, a no-win situation. You you must have, when you first arrived, you must have had to repeat yourself a lot. Yeah, I used to be quite high energy when I would coach, so I'd, I'd get excited and I'd probably mumble a whole lot and probably not make any sense. And There'd be loads of energy, but there probably wasn't any comprehension as to anything, I would, anything I'd be saying. So I learned to calm down a bit. Was there any little Scottish mannerisms or sayings that you had that raised an eyebrow yeah the best ones when my daughter said oh dad that's minging and my, my wife going what the hell did she just say <laughs> class i love it right so you're an edinburgh boy how on how did you end up in canada like how does that come around yeah totally random uh 2005 i uh, ended up in a place called red deer which uh, i had no idea what it was it was in the middle of Alberta. Um, I took a player coach job for six months. Uh, when I was working for Curry Rugby Club, I actually took a sort of six-month sabbatical. It was uh, it was an unreal experience. I loved it. Spent every day kind of, you know, I'd go to the gym in the morning. I'd go to the lake in the afternoon. I'd coach in the evenings. And I just absolutely loved the lifestyle. And so there was a full-time job came up in 2010. So I came over here, coached a club team for three seasons, and then just kind of kicked on from there. And I've been here for... Yeah, it's about 12 and a half years now. It's gone pretty quickly. You're, you're one of those guys that I think 
probably always knew you were going to be a coach. Is that right? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, definitely something I always wanted to do, you know, and that would be, you know, look at the coaches I had at Curry. you know, you probably didn't realise how good they were. Like Greco, you know, I used to, I used to probably drive him nuts. He used to drive me nuts. Um, but, you know, he was he was class. You know, Ali Donaldson's done some amazing stuff, you know, still back uh, back helping Cairnsy now, you know, which is which is good. And so, yeah, I just had some good exposure. So I remember years ago, I think when you're in grade four, and fourth, fourth year at high school, you go and do a rugby placement. Uh, so yeah, a school placement. I remember going to Edinburgh when Bob Eason was coaching, and uh, like Wardy and Alan, uh, Alan Watt were playing him and stuff at the time, and that was just just kind of hooked me in, I guess. So I just loved it. So yeah, I've been I've been coaching nearly full, well, not full time, had a, a different years, but yeah, it's been it's been cool to spend most of my professional life, if that's even a thing, in in sports. I read or I saw something. It was Eddie Jones said that if you ask professional players for a coach that had the biggest impact on them a lot of them would say it's a junior coach or someone from when you were a kid who do you look back on now you've mentioned a couple and absolute scottish legends greco and ali donaldson i mean two guys who coach so many people and probably inspired guys like yourself to become coaches who do you look back on and go that that was the point of ignition. Maybe that was the point that that got me. Yeah, so my old man was my coach when I was younger, and I think he just enjoyed being around the rugby club with his mates and having a beer. But he coached us for a long time. Um, I think the problem, the person that's probably made probably give me the biggest. Not he didn't he actually never actually coached me, but it was Rob Moffat. Like he's been uh, he's been class. Like I remember being pretty young coach and going in Edinburgh almost every day. When I worked at Telford College, my boss would basically load up my timetable Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, so I could spend some time uh, with him on a Wednesday, which was which was classy. Actually, Rob's just been in Canada this week. He said uh, Melrose had been over on tour. He called me on uh, he called me on Saturday morning and didn't realise the time difference. It was like six o'clock in the morning. I had no idea what was, what was happening. Yeah, yeah he's an excuse for him to get to Canada on tour. He's been trying to get Melrose there for years. I think he loves that place. It's like his second home. Yeah, he's uh, he's done a good job. It looks like the boys have had some fun and they've, they've played some rugby and they've probably had a, a beverage or two, I'm guessing, along the way. Yeah, one or two. I, I heard mixed reports. There was some people saying there wasn't enough rugby to call it a rugby tour, and there was others saying there was too much rugby. It was getting in the way of the tour. So <laughs> each to their own, I suppose. <laughs> Totally, but yeah, now Rob was awesome. He was just like really, just really, really good. And I think the coolest thing was years later getting to when he was coaching Romania and I was coaching Canada. It was uh, him and Lynn Howells. I remember Lynn when he coached in Edinburgh, coached Edinburgh. And it was just an absolute riot just to you know just to see them and have a catch up and you know go for a go for a pint on a Thursday night before the game with them. It was a good laugh. So it's been really good. And yeah, he's just been a really good guy to talk to. So, so Rob Moffat. You know, as you probably know, uh, inspired me, my PE teacher, you know, still see him and speak to him and cop abuse from him as he does to everybody. What what was it you looked at, at him and thought, that's it, that's the thing? Yeah, I think uh, he just had tons of energy. And then I think the main thing was that he just took time. Like I remember being in that, the little, uh, what do you call the port cabins outside the back of Murrayfield, sitting in there, scribbling stuff on the whiteboard. You know, like this is what I was thinking and stuff that he was doing, and yeah, I just I just really appreciate the time that he kind of you know, that kind of gave me. Like Bob Eason was really good as well when I was coaching at Stumel. 
don't know what they were doing, give me a job at my age. I was like 25 or something like that. But it was, uh, yeah, he was really good too, you know. And so guys that never really, never told you what to do, but just, you know, just ask questions and point you in the right direction. And, and uh, yeah, basically just having a thinking partner. So they, they guys were both very good. Scottish rugby is a village. Canada is a massive place, but I'd mm. imagine the rugby community is it's probably quite small. You won't bump into them, I suppose, in the way that you're able to, in the way you've explained. How much are you behaving like Rob Moffat did to you, Ali Donaldson did to you, Greco, Bobbyson? Are you able to do that to younger coaches? Yeah, I think there's, um, we got quite a like, obviously COVID wasn't the, the best of time, but it allowed us to create community. And I think we've got really um, a crowd of coaches together we would meet almost there uh, with the coffee club. We'd meet every Friday morning. We'd have uh, different coaches would come on and speak to us. And there'd be some experienced coaches. There'd be some younger, some novice coaches. There'd be some good debate. Um, you know, it was uh, absolutely, uh, it was absolutely outstanding, just the coaches that we got access to. And then even now, it's just continued now, you know, informally. So there's been a lot of informal learning. There's been a lot of chat. There's WhatsApp groups going. There's information getting shared. Mate of mine, Aaron Tackle's doing his, uh, he's doing his master's in coaching at the moment. I feel like I'm doing mine because I'm, reading all the academic journals and you know you're trying to trying to make sense of what you're doing so it was uh it was good it's been uh, it's been awesome just to just to have that and just talk about rugby talk about coaching and and you think you know a lot and then you scratch the surface and realize you know hee-haw and you just gotta keep gotta keep learning and trying to grow so i think i was the youngest coach in the scottish premiership at the time and then you came in to stew mail and i remember us being at greg rutherford's wedding uh, and, and having a beer or two and talking about it without me realising that you had to be at pre-season training in about six hours' time uh, on the Saturday morning. And I, I loved that. I loved having that opportunity to, at the time, like you say, you thought you knew everything. I've been coached, I've spoken to them, I've read that, I've watched that. Right, now it's my time. Do you look back on that and go that's where I learned that and I'm never going to do that again or uh, I got that right bang on. Was there a lot of, I suppose, learning in that first gig? Yeah, I think you like, you, you learn, um, you learn, you learn all the time, don't you? And you make a lot of mistakes and you're probably a bit ignorant, to be honest, in, in, my, in your younger days when you're, you know, when you're, when you're coaching. Um, I think the, I think the thing that really captured me, I had a two seasons coaching at Forrester Rugby Club. My brother came with me, Simon May, Doogie Dingwall, like real good lads. And I put the fun into rugby again. I absolutely loved it. Like two years, it was class. Can't say no to Billy Smith. He just like pulls you in everything. But that was like so much fun. Just absolutely loved it. Kind of fueled my tank a bit again. And then obviously Stu Mel was good. Uh, first season of coach with Ben Gisson. So that was, uh, that was it was funny. He was a, he was a real handful. He's, uh, he was good. He, he was certainly no prisoners taken with guests. Uh, he was good, and then obviously the year after was with, uh, with with Ned with Andrew Kelly. So it was uh, it was it was two good seasons. I enjoyed it. First year we had a bit of success and it was good fun. Second year not so much. We took a bit of a pasting, and then I uh, put my tail between my legs and headed to Canada. So. <laughs> I don't know if you put your tail between your legs. Another another opportunity arose. I think is probably what you would have said. So you go you go to Canada with kit bag under your arm what was the intention just see what happens yeah so my boss at Telford College uh, Jackie Tully Jackson she was awesome and she gave me a two-year sabbatical so a two-year sabbatical to, to head off and so that kind of gave me a bit of security knowing that I could come back and have a job if things didn't work out and 
year down the line, I was enjoying it. 18 months down, it was good. Ex- try to extend my sabbatical for a little bit longer. And then, um, yeah, and, and then just, just stayed. But I just having the ability to coach full time. You know, as you said, uh, you were talking earlier, it's not professional, but it was like, you know, it, was, it allowed me to be full time in terms of planning and preparing and coaching and uh, just having the time on task and just a bit more mental bandwidth to prepare was really good. So I really, really enjoyed it. And so I coached the Calgary Hornets for three years, which was good fun. Coached the, the Wolfpack, the Prairie Wolfpack, which was my still my favourite team in the world. Like it's just a class bunch of guys, like so much fun. And then, uh, yeah, and then also just some kind of stuff after that. But so loads you, of mistakes along the way. When, when you arrive in Canada, <laughs> I, I played in upstate New York and at the time I was only 20 and I was playing with guys that were maybe 10 years older, but actually they'd only been involved in rugby for a season. So they were, you know, their knowledge and experience was beginner level. What did you find when you got to Canada? Were you surprised? Was it a mixed bag? Was it, were they better than you thought they were going to be? Yeah, I think so. I've been at Stu Mel on the, like the Tuesday and then the following Tuesday, I rock up at, Beaverbrook High School approach, and there's a sea can with some equipment in it, some half-inflated balls, and like a, a really really bad pitch. And I'm like, gee, this is, you know, this is a this is a bit different, <laughs> you know. Um, that was fun, but yeah, we had, we had a total mixed bag. You've got guys that are like, you know, come out for to try rugby like late on. We had um, we had some really good players like a guy James Buchanan who played Canada Sevens, Nick Blevins. We went on to be. Um, like Alberta's highest cap international. So we had good guys at that in our team. We had a few imports came in. Andrew Rose came and played with us. Nick Fraser came and played with us. Um, we also had a couple of guys from Jersey, Donald Sangster, a guy Jimmy Norris that played Wales 7. So we had like some, we had some pretty good players, but yeah, we had some, some a wide range of, uh, you know, of, of, uh, of, of abilities. And I used to always laugh, Nick Blevins, who was, you know, one of our best players by a mile, always ended up with your, partnering in a drill with your third 15 enthusiastic guy who's you know been in rugby for 10 minutes you know so i don't know how we did it but it was it was it was class it was fun for the last six years fill your boots has been making rugby happen at the grassroots level please get involved and go to www.fybrugby.com to register your club or to register as a player and join the online community to make sure that games continue to happen in the future. Join in clubs with players and players with clubs to make sure that we can keep the club game as strong as possible. Fill your boots, bring in rugby together. So you like in my head, Scottish Scottish rugby small, biggest trip is a few hours on a bus and you're back. How how did you bond that team together? Is it easy when you've got to travel so far for games? Yeah, it's a different it's a different beast. I remember we had a game in Edmonton and it was like three hours each way on the bus. Or well, it was meant to be three hours. And I saw so are we getting a bus or we're going up Friday night, you know? And they're like, No, no, no. We'll leave Saturday morning in cars. We'll meet at this we'll meet at this gas station, we'll drive up, we'll play and we'll drive back at night. And then I'm like six hours in the car for a game of you know, for a game of rugby in one day. But yeah, the travels the travel's wild. I think my, my daily commute to work's 200 kilometers each way at the moment. My uh, my Nissan Pathfinder 2008 is sitting at 460,000 kilometers on the clock. <laughs> it's uh, nursing it along, trying to get it to 500. Uh, so 
the so the boys are not in a bus sharing what they're sharing and going to the clubhouse. Are, are a lot of the club games? Do they miss a home? Do they have a clubhouse? Yeah, so in Calgary, there's the Calgary Rugby Union, and so there's like five fields there, and all the clubs share the one facility. So it's pretty good. You know, we take our kids down in the morning. My son's plays U7s, and then my daughter plays U9s, and it's, you know, typical, like probably what's like in New Zealand for the minis playing. It runs through all day, and then you'll get your senior men's, senior women's game at, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty good community around it. And it's good now this, that, you know, guys that I played with a bit here or guys I coached with, our kids are back playing. So there's like this huge generational U turn. You know, we're out on a Saturday morning with the, you know, with the U7s and the U9s, and it's, uh, it's fun. So is that is that meaning the future's bright for Canada? Yeah, I think there's some work to be done here. That's uh, you know, we'd be we'd be lying if we said there wasn't. But uh, yeah, it's fun just seeing some, just seeing the kids. There's a lot of kids play. Um, it's quite it's quite popular, but it's uh, just probably keeping them in the game and developing them is probably the biggest challenge we've got here. So some of it will be getting them to understand and know what rugby is. Is the Olympics help that? Is Simmons helping that? <laughs> Yeah, I think there's been a bit of interest, obviously, just on the on the Commonwealth Games in the weekend as well. You know, it's a lot more people, a lot more access to it. I think it's like uh, rugby was never on the TV here, you know, but obviously with the Toronto Arrows now in the MLR, there's uh, games on TSN, which is good. So there's getting a bit more exposure. There's starting to be a bit more chat about it. Um, it's like everything, you know, if a team's successful, there's a bit more interest, you know, and I think we had that in the, you know, with the Sevens at the Olympics, you know, uh, not, not this last one, but the one before. And so uh, I think there has been a bit more exposure to it. Uh, but it's always going to be, you know, unfortunately at the moment, a, a second or third tier sport. You know, it's a baby sport compared to, to hockey, to football, you know, and it just uh, it is what it is for the time being. Are there athletes moving from those sports, gridiron, hockey, basketball, and thinking, okay, there's an opportunity here in rugby? Yeah, actually, there's a, in, in the local league at the moment, there's a guy who's just finished playing in the in the Canadian Football League. You know, he's a kind of locker six. He's a, he's a big... He's a big fella. He's uh, you know pretty big and athletic, but just learned the game. But he's only like 23, 24, just been you know finished his, his professional football career. Uh, obviously, just been released. So there's there's some there's some athletes for sure. There's some there's some specimens. There's some big some big bodies kicking around. And so even in the women's game too, there's a lot of really good athletes. We had a couple of uh, but a couple of players come over from soccer to play in our seventh season this year, which was really good. So just uh, it's it's still it's still obviously in its young years. There's a lot of a lot of development to, to happen. Uh, when I spoke to Richie Gray, he was on about being a development officer in Aberdeen, and he went into the clothes shop High and Mighty and said to them, "Andy, it comes in here that's six foot four and looks like they're athletic. Give them my number. I want them to come and play rugby." Have you tapped a few Mounties or lumberjacks on the shoulder and said, "Boys, you fancy having a crack at this?" Oh, without a doubt. I spend half my days walking up and down the university halls right now, just looking for athletes. <laughs> What's what's your story? <laughs> what's your background? Are you sure you want to do this this sport? There's <laughs> another sport for you. I was getting a bad reputation in our department for trying to get athletes to come and play. Like leave leave them alone. <laughs> Let them find their way. So you you go from that as being a full time coach, getting some time working with players. You know, not really at professional timings, but you were able to apply professional principles i suppose and put time and effort into it. you then get you start to get involved in more i don't know serious programs demanding programs 
what did that require from you as a coach? Did the skills change at all or was it just more pressure? Yeah, I think I probably got a bit lost, to be honest. Bruce, I probably wasn't as authentic. You know, I think when I was coaching my, my club teams and provincial teams, I was I was quite happy being me. I was quite lively. I was having a laugh. You know, where, and I probably, once I kind of started doing some of the kind of stuff, I probably lost my way a bit. You know, I probably wasn't authentic. I probably didn't coach or act how I probably, well, which would be, a, you know, authentic to me. I probably conformed a bit more to how I felt I should be in that environment. So that was probably a big, a big mistake. Um, you know, that, that I made. Another thing too as well, hard bit here is obviously having a you know, wife and two young kids and you know, go on the road for, you know, six weeks and then once you've done that tour, come back, you're pretty tired and then you're straight into uh you're straight back to your day job on the on the on the Monday morning after getting back on the Sunday night. That was pretty that was pretty taxing. So I was working as a as like CEO of Rugby Alberta. Um so I was trying to do that job, take a bit of unpaid leave go on the road coach but still having to do work and yeah I just was I was definitely nowhere near at my best so it was pretty uh, pretty demanding so when you when I see this and I, I was chatting to somebody about this being a CEO like what did that mean because to me you're moff you're whistle that picture pushing the buggy with a bag of ball you know <laughs> energizing people learning helping people to learn and then you get a gig like that that's a that's a different hat to wear, quite literally. Yeah, it was. I enjoyed some of it. I, I had a pretty good boss, like the guy Sean Hofstetter, who was president, was really good. I learned a ton from him. He was actually the charge of the of the club I was at in 2010, and then we kind of both moved up. And he was with a he was president of the provincial union, so he was really good. Learned a lot from <clears throat> learned a lot from him. But yeah, I enjoyed the strategic planning side of it. I enjoyed trying to write programs, develop programs. You know, uh, that was really enjoyable. But um, you know, when you've got five thousand members and you've got like four four subunions, um, they always say that crap doesn't roll downhill; it goes uphill pretty quickly. <laughs> and so it's uh, you'd be you'd be like, okay, I wonder who I'm having an argument with today, you know. And it was it was draining, to be fair. Um, you know, some of it was good. I was kind of a dual role, so I was like director of rugby slash CEO, which I don't even know what that. Like you said, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> it's a great question, but it seemed to be the guy you had to call if there was stuff that had to happen or whatever. So. So yeah, you must have you must have become a bit of a political animal. No, I'm definitely not. I don't think I'm smart enough for that person. <laughs> <laughs> but you had some real success. You you increased player numbers. You put in new programs, new competitions. You must look back with. I know you're probably looking back thinking, "Geez, that was tough." And but you must look back with a fair amount of pride on some of the achievements. Yeah, it was cool. We got. I think we got like a provincial union of the year, like. Uh, two years in that, or twice in that kind of five-year spell, we hosted uh, hosted a lot of internationals here. You know, the women's, the senior national women's team. Uh, obviously, Canada played Scotland in uh, in Glasgow. Sorry, in um, in Edmonton, and then obviously we had the seven series here last year too. So there was a bit of um, yeah, it was good. They had some good stuff, but the coolest thing is just seeing some of the players you know come through. I think at the Commonwealth Games team at the weekend, there was four or five Alberta girls in that squad of 12 or 13, which was cool. And they're young too. They're like 18, 19, 20 years old and ripping it up. Uh, young Piper Logan, she was, uh, she'd made the dream team in her first, you know, in her first event. So seeing, seeing like players like that come through, that's, that's pretty cool. So you were still able to be on the field? Yeah, I think that's why it was so hard because I was trying to work and then trying to be, do a bit of coaching too. So my wife coached, uh, my wife played for Canada, sevens and fifteens. And so 
I'd always end up roping her and doing some coaching. So she would always coach with the you know the girls' provincial team, and I'd always be kind of kicking around to try to help her out a bit. So so it was uh, yeah, it was a lot. There was a lot on the go. We're in many when we did the interview in 2016, uh, I think uh, one of the questions I asked you was the best bit of advice you'd been given. What, what I'll, I'm going to see if you can. Re- you don't have to remember what it was, but what what's the best bit of advice you've been given? What's the best bit of advice I've been given? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know what what's the best bit of advice I've been given. I get so much of it on a daily basis. <laughs> what was that, the answer? Well, that's that's just I, I did have it here, and I've now bloody lost it because that was one of the things that I really I really liked, and probably sums up that you did things not necessarily early, but you know, becoming head coach at Stumel at twenty five, moving to Canada, taking on those roles. And then when I looked back at this, what is the best bit of advice you've ever received? And you said, if not now, when? Success lies in your daily habits. Be consistent and persistent. Is that still you? Yeah, I think if not now, when, for sure. Um, you'd probably argue I was a bit, I might be a bit impulsive. <laughs> you know, let's just, go and, let's just go and try stuff. And I think um, I remember being down in Santa Monica at a Tier 2 head coaches meeting. And we didn't have a head coach for Canada, so I went along. And uh, and Eddie Jones was doing, was presenting, and he's always just talking about saying, "Why are you trying to do what a tier tier one country does? Because you don't have the same quality of players. Like, you know, almost like you have to be innovative and you have to try things. And I think it's easy now, you know, in rugby to everybody's like one three three one, and we'll do the same stuff, and everybody's looks the same, smells the same, and it's kind of boring, you know. And and so I think just having the courage to go and try something different and realize that it might not work. But you know, everything always starts by somebody trying to do something a little bit, a little bit different. So that's my goal for this year. I've been uh, picking Kieran Crowley's brain. He's been unfortunately bombarded with some of my stuff, trying to pick it apart and see what I'm going to do if it's going to work or not. So, but I think yeah, I think probably yeah, and then just doing stuff on a daily basis for sure. I probably went through a bad spell, Bruce, when I was working in rugby Alberta, where I wasn't particularly healthy. My office was maybe 15 minutes from my bed. <laughs> I would be rolling out of bed straight into the office. You know, you probably wouldn't shower change. You'd be lunchtime before you've done anything, you know. And, uh, you know, probably wasn't, in a, probably wasn't in a great place. But now, you know, I've got I've got my routines. I've got to get up in the morning. I've got to do my push-ups as many as I can. So I'm up to about seven now. So I do my push-ups in the morning. <coughs> and then That's I- six <laughs> more than me. <laughs> And then I've got to then I've got to uh, I've got to have some water before I'm allowed a coffee, and then I'll go take the dogs for a walk. You know, I just 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 better lifestyle habits, I think, as much as anything. You know, and if we're, if I move in the morning and I'm feeling better, I typically function better and coach a bit better, and be a bit more patient with my kids. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, that's probably it. But I do think it's important because if you get good habits and good routine, it makes a huge difference. Huh? So uh, James Clear's books, Atomic Habits, it's awesome, really really good book definitely something I was able to read and apply a lot from. So was was there a moment where you thought, hang on a minute, it, it's that sort of mm-hmm. pouring from an empty cup? Did there Was there a moment where you thought, hang on, mm-hmm. where, where's Moff gone? Totally, 100%. Yeah, I would say as well, just changing jobs just over just over a year ago is really kind of, I've been able to find my feet again and really kind of be who I am. They think I'm mental, but I, don't, I think it's unfair. <laughs> <laughs> I think they might be onto something. Uh, one of the other things you said 
I, I, I don't know if you'll remember this. I asked you what your ambitions were for the future. Nope. You said two things. You, you said be a great coach and a great family man. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. Yeah, I think I think everything that's like I think you got to be consistent in terms of like being the same person in every room. And I think often we wear different masks and different settings and different people. Where I think now I'm probably happy being the same, wear the same mask in all in all environments. You know, I think uh, that's probably I think's probably pretty key. So like when we uh, if I'm coaching now, Bruce my my wife's often around. The kids are on the bus. My son thinks it's normal to just start singing karaoke on the front of the rugby bus. Just comes up, grabs the microphone, and starts singing. You know, he's six years old. Just thinks it's normal life. So, if we've got any team events, I just take the kids and always kind of joke. Is like, well, if I'm coming to work here, then you know, just get me on. We'll get the entourage as well. And so, my wife's been doing a bit, a bit of strength and conditioning coaching, some speed sessions with our team, and the kids are kicking around doing stuff. So. I think it's uh, you got to try. I think you got to bring everything together. It takes a bit of time, though, doesn't it? You're some of the things you're saying are absolutely hit home with me. It takes a bit of time until you're maybe comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, big time, absolutely. And I think uh, I don't know for whatever reason if it's that we're just so maybe get so focused on the outcome. I've got to be coaching at this level next. I've got to be doing this, and I've got to be doing that. I've co- I've got a job coaching job right now, which I never ever dreamt or thought of that I would have. You know, I'm a full-time coach at a university, coaching a, a woman, a women's university rugby team. And a part of my role is also to be like uh, a head of uh, high-performance coaching. I'm still trying to figure out what the second part is, but <laughs> it's uh, just supporting coaches to try and get, you know, to get better and, and learn and basically just try and create a culture of community within the, within the department. So going, rewinding right back, little moth, teenager moth, the, the more I do these pods and the more the people I speak to, nobody can have predicted where they've ended up. There's very few people have gone on that ladder to success. You know, they've they got into that team, that team, that team. And and also they're not very interesting people to speak to either. But you've you've gone and, and found this thing and you'll be too humble to say it, but you're making a success of of life, I would say. Um Teenager Moff, what, what was he looking at? What was he trying to come up with? What was his idea of success? What was Teenager Moff looking at? Um, keep my hair. That would have been... <laughs> yeah, I saw that iceberg. Uh, yeah, but, but I think we'll always laugh at my brother because my dad's bald as can be, so am I. And my... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Brother's got a full head of grey hair. Bizarre. Uh, no, I, I don't know. I think I think I always kind of envisioned something being in sport for sure. Um, like I never thought I'd still be in Canada after you know one, you know after a six month stint way back in two thousand and five. I think for me, I'd probably you know I, I went to, I went to uni, but I was probably a pretty bad student. To be honest, I wasn't very good. I think I scraped through my sports science degree at Napier. I went back and did education through Aberdeen University years later, and I did a bit better because I was a bit more mature and you know had a bit more of an interest in it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. To be honest, they always say that the, uh, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And so, like, my old man coached a bit of rugby. I was coaching a bit of rugby. He was bald. I was balding. He was, he was like an egg shape. I was developing that shape too. And uh, you know, he was, he was teaching post-secondary education, and so was I. <laughs> you know, so I remember driving home one night, going, "Gee, I'm literally turning into my old man." So yeah. Oh, tell me about that one. I am Anakin Skywalker. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Yeah, it's um, I, I love that. So the the apple's fallen pretty far from the tree, but in lots of ways, there's a lot of similarities. And now you find yourself in a job that teenager moth didn't even know existed and didn't exist when you were teenager moth. So the game's changed, and there's a lot of people have changed within it. the The day to day job. What does that look like for you? Yeah, day to day. so I, I'm I'm really enjoying the day to day job. So we um, literally run it as a full time program. We've got um, we've got scholar academic scholarships that we can we can give to players. Um, we start our training camp on August fifteenth, and that'll run till the twenty seventh. But yeah, typically we uh, have a pretty good week. So Monday we'll you know probably periodize our week like most people do. We'll we'll do some uh, you know some you know um, some clarity and correction on a Monday, and we'll we'll we, we'll be in the gym and we'll do some. Uh, We'll do something called PGM Monday, so Personal Growth Monday, where we'll do a lot of a lot of individual skill work. Uh, Tuesday's a big day for us. We do unit skills at 6.30 a.m. in the morning. Uh, we'll be in the gym in the afternoon, and then we'll be back on field from 4.30 to 6. Um, that's our kind of big day, so transition Tuesday, and that's where we do most of our combat stuff. Uh, Wednesday, we're off. So I say off, the, the, the team will do yoga, and they'll have some, um, and they'll have study hall, where they'll do their do their study and make sure that they're staying on top of their academics. Uh, Thursday we'll do rugby and gym again, and that's going to try and be more of an attack day for us. And then Friday's Fab Friday, and so Fab Friday is either we uh, either we're on the road traveling for a game, or we might have a captain run if we're at home. And so, uh, and then obviously we'll play on the weekend. And so that's kind of what a typical what kind of typical week would look like. And then uh, in between that, I'll go and watch other coaches. It's fascinating learning about basketball, soccer, swimming, track and field. Um, our track and field coach is like Rain Man when it comes to periodization. So I've learned a ton from him. It's been really good. I think even though I'm su- meant to support him, it turns into a personal mentoring session for me every time I chat with him. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's been fascinating to be honest, just going around other sports and just ask questions, you know, like, well, why do you do that? You know, this just doesn't make sense. So that's been pretty cool. And obviously, uh, Russell Earnshaw, you know, Rusty and Fletch, we've spent a fair bit of time chatting with. They've, you know, they've really like Rusty challenges me all the time. I'm like, what do you think of this? He's like, well, why is it five pages? Make it one, and you're like, oh man. <laughs> and so he's been he's been really good. And so we just been able to kind of you know copy some of the stuff that you know they bring to the table and what they've been doing, and and it's and it's working in terms of the engagement with the coaches and challenge them on more on their how to coach. I don't know basketball. I can't tell you how to coach basketball, you know, but maybe around some of your coaching behaviors and your session plan design. So I think right now, you know, without being 
Rick headed. I'm probably doing my best work I've ever done at the moment um, in terms of like the planning for stuff, the having time to invest and prepare properly. So I'm really enjoying. I'm really enjoying. It. I don't think it's big head at all, mate. I think it's it's honesty, and and you deserve that honesty. So you said something about when you were a student and this makes me laugh because it's very similar to me i don't think i was a very good student either as my degree will will prove and now i love learning and i talk about learning all the time and i'm speaking to you and i'm learning and you know i'm reading a book just now and it's 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 learning i, I gave my my wife the book i've just finished and she i said to her are you enjoying it she went yeah but it's a bit like work because it's about leadership and so it's kind of wasted on the youth. Do you get do you get to that point with your players where you t- you don't know how bloody lucky you are, or h- how do you how do you communicate that to the players? Yeah, I think it's uh, there's as you say learning. I think you, I heard a brilliant quote, and I'll, I'll claim it as mine because I heard it a while ago, so I can probably say it now. But you know, it used to be like learning was the prerequisite for a job, where now learning is the job. You know, and I think like everything's changing so much. You know, all the time, like. I'd, I'd hate to think back to look at even sessions like three, four years ago or how I interacted or how I led or what I did. So I think, yeah, there's so much to learn, you know, and, and I think, uh, you know, you, you just don't know what it, you just don't know, <laughs> you know, where do you begin? You know, I, I love reading about leadership. Uh, I'm in the car a lot. <laughs> so I've always got a, an audio book or podcasts in, you know, so it gets, gives me plenty of time to, to listen to stuff and learn. And yeah, you know, when you put it in perspective, like a lot of the players I'm working with at the moment, they're, they're basically getting paid you know, but yeah, there are there's on scholarships, but they're getting some you know reasonable money to to be a part of our varsity program and train, and uh, you know, and they're lucky. I don't really see that happening, you know, a whole lot in other places, particularly in the place where I, I work is in Lethbridge. And actually, when I went to Lethbridge, the, one of the first nights out I had, um, I went to this local bar for some wings because it's what you do here on a Thursday night and I met two guys and they're like oh you're Scottish do you know Duncan Wilson do you know Davy Wilson because <laughs> they'd, they'd been over and played for the, the club there about 100 years ago or whatever it was so it's such a small world like say the rugby community Hello, my name is Bruce Aitchison from Happiness is Egg-Shaped and I am here to tell you where you can get your Happiness is Egg-Shaped merchandise. Go to www.halbro.com and search for Happiness is Egg-Shaped in the stores. We've got it all. Umbrellas, snoots, hats, towels for when you eventually get to go on holiday to the beach or by the pool. We've got hoodies, we've got t-shirts, we've got all sorts going on there. Check it out. Get your Happiness is Egg-Shaped merchandise. You can get it all coloured up for your favourite team or for your country, get involved because you know, I know, everybody knows, happiness is egg-shaped. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people could ask that question. Do you know Dunkey Wilson? Uh, depending on who you are, you might change your change your answer. So you're you're learning on the job you're helping other coaches do you find that now coaches are willing to be challenged do you think there's a change i feel there's a bit of change in the culture of coaches the the closed doors you're not going to see what i'm doing because it's a big secret seem to have gone are you are you enjoying that is that something that's evident in your program yeah i'm loving it uh, it's really good i think uh, you know, you're talking about like not, not knowing a lot i was just joking about the the dunning kruger effect you know where you're full of confidence and your confidence is high but your competence is like low you know and you just make a real mess and you get all after it and you're like 
before you know it, you're the peak amount stupid, and then before you know it, you're in the valley of despair, and then you're like start trying to figure stuff out on that slope of enlightenment. You know, like oh maybe I maybe there's I should do this or I should do that. But I think I think it is good. It's like everyone else. Most of it starts with trust. You know, has, if they don't trust me, I'm sure when I came out of my job, they're probably, well, what's this guy? Who's this guy? What's he all about? Like, what's he going to tell me about coaching? You know, and uh, and and hopefully that's not the case. I'm not there. To, I'm not there to get anybody. It's I'm not. I'm not there to get anybody. It's I'm just there to to do some. Um, you know, just to help them really and support them and maybe challenge them. That's uh, and a challenge. And I say challenge. It's just to maybe think about something a bit differently. You, have, have you had quite a few jobs where you've almost had a blank sheet? It sounds to me like you've been able to to put your own stamp on things. Yeah, just about every job I've had here has been a blank slate, you know, which has been class, you know, which has been really, really good. And so you get time to have a look at, well, what's success everywhere else? But then how do you how do you just adopt the model? I see it, I've seen it in here quite a bit. You know, we have a Kiwi coach, so everyone's done the Kiwi way. We have a Welsh coach, everyone's done the Welsh way. Instead of actually saying, well, how can we take and learn from all these great all the great work that's been done not just in, in rugby but in other sports and then what applies to our context because you can't just drop a model in and say hey here you go this is this is going to change the game or hey this is going to change your organization because everyone's context specific is so, the is the canadian culture something that can add to a rugby program yeah i, I think it can you know they're they're incredibly nice people I always get a hard time because they say sorry a lot but no, I think I think I think there is. I think there's so many good things about like this country. Some great things, um, and and definitely have the, the the bones, you know, the raw materials to to do some really good stuff. You know, probably lack it around the you know the, the education, the IQ side of it. The the weather has a big part of it, <laughs> you know. So I know we're um, you know like we're really relying now with Pittsburgh we live in on having domes, you know, having full like permanent uh, dome structures so that we can continue to train and play kind of all year round. So we're starting to see a lot more like sevens tournaments in you know in December, January when it's minus thirty-five out and you're you're freezing, but we still get the opportunity to play, which is good. Uh, I I love the the point you made. You can't just drop a program in. Is there a is there now a workforce of Canadian coaches who are coming through who have benefited from the experience of the Welsh model, the Kiwi model, the Scottish model, and now they're beginning to shape things in their own image? Yeah, I think, you know, probably, uh, you know, Corey Hector, who's with the Toronto Arrows, is an assistant coach. He's their academy coach. He's their, um, he's their academy coach. He's their, um, he's coaching Canada 18s. He's coaching Canada 20s. There's a lot of ex-players starting to come through now, like Phil Max coaching the academy. He was the defence coach for Canada in the last uh, series there. Uh, Hubert Biden's with prop. He's been out on some tours. as uh, He's with the 18s at the moment as a scrum coach, but he was scrum coach on one of the, the senior trips to Belgium. So there's, uh, there's more and more, you know, opportunities. And, I think we just a lot of these coaches just need to continue to be nurtured and supported. You know, not not told what to do, but just supported so they can keep getting keep getting better and better. Are you finding cool. that there's that there's obviously pockets, there's little hotbeds around Canada rugby. Um, are you finding that those are now spreading, or is it still very much centralised in those big population areas? Yeah, I think it's. I think definitely. I think there was a a really good network created across all the provinces. Uh, there's 10 provinces in Canada and we're actually working we were starting to work really well together so we ran a coaching conference online which was which was awesome we had some some big hitters you know which was good Rusty and Fletch were on Amy Price was on a guy called Ross, Rob Mason an Australian guy who specialises in feedback 
you know, he was class. Rob Howley spoke. There was just so many good coaches came on and, you know, and shared. Uh, Cody Royal, who's doing some cool stuff in coaching at the moment. So there was some really, really good, um, you know, some really good uh, coaches were on it. I think that was a really good starting point, but that hasn't continued on, unfortunately. But just the ability to learn from other coaches, create some community to interact with coaches from different regions, we all face the same challenges, you know. So if we've uh, if somebody's done something and they found a good way, well, let's uh, let's see if it can work for us too. So you're in this uni program, and I know that you know they've become the the buzzwords culture and environment. <laughs> what what is the culture and environment in your program? Yeah, we. Um, I, I think it's the most important thing. I probably spend way too much time trying to get the environment right. That's uh, that's probably where I spend the majority of my time. Because if the environment's not right, um, I, and I want people to have a great experience, and I think for me that's. Uh, I actually read something on on the, on the Instagram or the Facebook this morning or the Twitter. It was something they were talking about. Um, we're just talking about the the Scotland women's sevens at the Commonwealth Games. You know, just about trying to create the best possible environment for players, and, and that resonates with me because I think it, we do want to have positive experiences. You know, so that's probably where I'll spend a lot of the time. We'll do do some fun stuff. Um, I like my theme in as well, so we're just getting ready. I'm not sure when this will air, Bruce, but uh, you know, hopefully not before our training camp starts. We're going with a Top Gun theme this year, so we've. Uh, oh no! I've got a Top Gun theme for the season. I'll have to learn from you then, because we've got I've got dog tags made up. They've been delivered to the house. Well, we've got like a captain's face has been superimposed on the Tom Cruise's body, so we're like we've got a few things in the works. We've played got a volleyball tournament planned, so we can just blast Top Gun soundtrack out of our volleyball competition. So I, I think for me, like, that's the most important part: is create the best environment. And you know, players will come and go; it's inevitable. Not everybody's going to jive with everybody, but let's try and provide a, an unreal experience. And uh, you know, and, and hopefully that'll you know uh, transfer into some on-field success as well. See, so you're you're dealing with young people. Uh, you know, a uni program means you don't have that weathered, experienced 30, 35 year old who's going to tell you how the culture is and how. So, I suppose every year you're almost going to have a chance to reinvent things. Yeah, hundred percent. Last year we themed around the city because I didn't know a lot about the city. A lot of the players didn't know a lot about the city, and so we kind of themed a lot around that, trying to connect them with uh, where they go to school. So that was uh, that was really good. But yeah, every year, every other year, they'll be able to do something. We've got a big, uh, we've got a big turnover. Actually, the, the old coach is my new boss. He's now the athletic director. So he said he didn't leave a lot in the stable. So I've got a, I've got a bit of work to do recruiting. <laughs> so we've uh, we've got about twelve players coming in this year, and then we'll probably need about another twelve next year, um, which is exciting. But we've got a we just signed a thirty-one year old, which is cool. And so we'll have a thirty-one, seventeen-year-old, thirty-one-year-old. We'll have, um, yeah, we'll just have a load of different people from backgrounds. I was saying, we're not really building a team this year. We're building a gang. We're going to build a gang, the Top Gun gang. <laughs> yes. So how, how do you create then that sense of belonging? You've got your staff. You've got these young people coming into a program in a city they don't know much about. It's got to happen quick. How do, how do you make things happen quickly? Yeah, it's a, it's such a good challenge, isn't it? I think we've got a few things planned. Um, we, I don't know how they're going to go because it's stuff we've never really done before. But I think um, we've we've kind of scrapped the gym for the first week, so we're doing some. Yeah, hey. inspired by you, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, uh, we've got like, we're doing a combat day. We're doing mixed martial arts one day. We're doing gymnastics another day. So we'll try and create good experiences. And then uh, and last year we went away to a ranch for three days as a team building 
exercise, which was also that's where I broke my hand trying to ride this thing out of a chute. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so we'll definitely do a lot of stuff off the field because uh, I think it's important that we can that we can bond and give people a safe place. Uh, Owen Eastwood's book, Belonging, is, is yeah, class. I've really enjoyed it. I'm in the middle of that just now. I'm I'm absolutely loving it, and that that to me is so important. There has to be that emotional connection. I'd imagine your players have an emotional connection to you because the way you go about things and carry yourself. But sometimes it can be difficult to get an emotional connection to the shirt. How is is that what happens in battle? Yeah, I don't. I, I know. Like you, that was obviously the chat. You know, you got to do it for the jersey and stuff like that. And. You know, like to leave the jersey in a better place. I don't know if our players or this generation resonates with that. You know, they'll come in, they'll go to school, they'll get their education, they'll play. Uh, hopefully have a great experience and have an affinity with the programme. But uh, I, I kind of steered away from that as a kind of motivational thing. I don't I don't really see it. It's like we've got to find what, you know, why, they, why they're playing, what's their reasons being, and, and can they connect? Like we, we want to be the, we said we want to be the best rugby programme in North America, and we want it to have it through good education and quality experiences. So that has to drive everything that we everything that we do, and so getting the experiences right, we've got a we've got a couple of um, couple of things planned. There's a in the in the grand town of Nanton. There's a there's like a a, a flight a, a flighter pilot museum or whatever. So we'll be having a trip to there because we've got in our in our team we've got our bomb squad and we've got our flying squad. So they'll go to the bo- the bomb squad will go to the bomber museum in this little town just about an hour north of us, which will be fun. And so we're just doing, I know, just trying to make, you know, make it fun and try and get them to connect with their team, but then connect with the vision that we've got for the program as well. Who, when you're sitting in these planning meetings, who says to you, Moff, you need Camden? Or Moff, no, we, we can't do that. We, we can't, we, there's no way we can pull that off. Yeah, I, uh, I room next, my, my office is right next door to the women's basketball coach. And he thinks I'm a head case, but I have tons of fun with him. Dude, what do you think of this? And he's like, you can't do that. I'm like, yeah, we're going to do it. But <laughs> uh, actually really cool, actually. So the staff, that are, like the manager and the coaches that are involved in the program, they've been there for 20 years. You know, and in this day and age, it's pretty unheard of that you'll have staff that have been there for so long. So that kind of gave me a good indication when I took the job that there's probably something pretty special here. If after 20 years, all these coaches are still involved in some capacity. So that's been uh, that's been fun. Did I read it right? The rugby program or the, the athletic program has been there for 22 years and the guy you replaced had been there for all but two of them. Is that right? And he's moved upstairs. That's right, yeah. And he's uh, he's, he's, uh, he's actually, so he's the athletic director now. Neil Langevin, his name is. So Neil coached the Canada women's team, uh, you know, a, a few years ago. And um, he's now the big boss, but he's my assistant coach with the team. So I would say if I get wind, he's going to fire me. I'm going to fire him first. <laughs> <laughs> love it so it sounds like you're happy in the moment you're you're in the place that all your experience all your learning has brought you to it's it sounds like it's a pretty good place to be yeah i mean i'm, in, I'm enjoying it um you know I, I think um yeah work at the university is great because there's that all the different sports is probably what i'm enjoying the most feel interact on a daily basis talk coaching you know, bring speakers in um, just for us to have that community. I think that part's been really, really good because you learn off. There's so many good coaches. All the coaches there have done some amazing things, played a huge role in like development of some really good athletes. And so that part's been um, really enjoyable. And I think it's just a, yeah, it's just a good feel. I'm enjoying it. It's kind of, I've got me energized again. 
which I'm happy about. And yeah, although I don't want to be this crazy old guy that's, you know, energizer bunny bobbing around the department <laughs> in the mid 40s. So we'll see. But no, it is, it is good. And so I think there's some good, some good people. It's a good place to work. And uh, the community gets behind it too. Like we have a, we had a thousand spectators at our first home game last year, you know, in a, in a small city, you know, seven o'clock kickoff under the lights. And hopefully that'll just keep growing and growing and growing. Oh, that's so, cool. That's yeah. very cool. If you could bring somebody in, anybody, who would you bring in to speak to the coaches? The guy that I'm fascinated with at the moment is Rob Mason. And he's uh, he specialised in feedback. He's a good dude. I was uh, a friend of mine was on meant to have a meeting with him, and I just crashed the party because I wanted to listen. And then we text back and forth, and you know he's uh, he's really good. He's, he's really helped me. I think it's quite important the the role of feedback, and then obviously he specialises in in game coaching, and then obviously feedback and video. Uh, I think he's been fascinating. Um, I think Doug Lamoff would be a would be a cool guy to bring in too. Obviously, he just had the the book was it the coach's guide to teaching. That kind of made that made my head hurt a bit when I was trying to process, trying to process that. So I think he would be a, a really cool one to speak to. So yeah, I think there's so many good people from different sports that I don't even know that would be amazing to bring them and speak to. But they'd be two that would be quite high, you know, quite high on my list. I think in terms of because uh, we, you know, yeah, they would be high on my list. I think. Have you started writing your own book? Uh, definitely not. When you saw. When you said I'd written something for you, I was like, well, I hope you use Grammarly to check it out because it <laughs> there would be some spell mistakes in there and there wouldn't be much, much punctuation. <laughs> so uh, you, you're happy where you are. And I, I don't know if, if the mind wanders. Is there a, is there a plan? Um, nope. No. <laughs> I think, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm coaching at the moment. I, def- I, I, you know, I definitely would want to get back into some, you know, some... Uh, I want to say higher level coaching, but some international coaching and stuff again, or um, you know, some 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 kind of pro stuff. I was quite interested in MLR. I think that'd be quite a fun place to go. Although the turnover in coaches is ridiculously high on an annual basis, so uh, I guess it goes with the territory. But I think there's some that'd be quite fun. I look at like you know some of the Canadian guys like DTH and uh, Ben Lasage, which have had an absolute riot down at LA. Like uh, it looks like there's been tons of fun. Um, I'm a, Want to be cowboy, so maybe maybe Texas is a good place for me. <laughs> maybe Austin or Dallas. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we've heard all about you. You're the kilted cowboy, and you come. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, who do I want to be? You can't go. <laughs> I have a I have a Stetson and a belt buckle. I'm yours. Exactly. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, I think just with the age of kids and that now, you know, it's like important for them to have a little bit of stability. And so that's good. Um, it was quite a big conversation we had years ago. Like, are we just going to go on the road and just travel? You know, because there's not many full-time coaching gigs in Canada. So it's, um, you know, you're going to be prepared to move around from place to place or set up roots here for the time being. So we'll never say never. Um, we'll see. I think part of me would love to get back to Scotland for a bit. I think that'd be cool. Cool experience for the kids just to go and live, you know, go and live somewhere else and, uh, and come home for a bit. I haven't been, haven't been home since my stag do, which was just over five years ago. So, that's the last is that time. because you're not allowed back? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Pictures yeah. up at the airport. <laughs> Passport confiscated. So yeah, yeah, that would be that'd be the last time I was back. I think it was for the Heineken Cup final or the European Cup final. Um, so that'd be yeah. So it's been a while. So I would be I'd keep come come uh, come back for that. I think at some point. With with the belonging, um, 
a lot of it is about storytelling. And now I, I, you know, we we could talk for a long time, and we could probably share stories and uh, have people in common in those stories and all sorts. What? How much do your players know about Graham Moffat and the journey he's been on? Yeah, so they all know the one story. Bruce, you might not remember, but I wasn't blessed with a speed team. <laughs> oh, hey, I hear you, brother. <laughs> I remember playing at Melrose Simmons years and years and years ago. And uh, and they, always, they all laugh at their story. So I think in my mind, it probably looks far better. But I remember selling a dummy and then starting to run. And then all of a sudden, I hit this travelator on the field at the green yards. And I felt like I was running uphill in quicksand. And all I heard from the crowd was somebody shout, unhook the caravan. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the guy Graham Farris, actually. You remember Graham Farris? Yeah, yeah, I know Graham. But I think, um, yeah, that was me. And I was like, so they've all heard that story. I'm like, if you talk about the importance of speed work and, you know, and trying to train. But I think they've kind of got a good insight into us. Like, we've got a pretty much open door policy at the house. There's, if we're going on a road trip from Lethbridge to Edmonton, we'll stop at my house and we'll have breakfast. You know, we'll just the bus, the bus will just unload and people will pile up my house and we'll make some food for them. So they've got a pretty good, I think they've got a pretty good idea, you know, around kind of who we are and kind of as a family. So I think that's important. Like, I'd hate to have two lives where they're completely separate. So I think that's been probably the coolest thing. And my, my son's best friend is a girl called Sarah, who's 24. <laughs> he sounds like my kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he's just uh, yeah, it's just cool. They just like it. They like being around. Uh, they like being around the teams. So it's fun. I remember being on a Canada tour. We played in Victoria, and uh, my daughter with me. She she we just took out the pool, gave, gave my wife a break, and it's funny just seeing all these massive men, just like you know, just like little kids and quite giddy that there's like a baby kicking around in the pool. I don't think it's. I think that's part of it too, right? You have to. I just have to be yourself everywhere. I think. But it's taken me 40 years to figure that out. Yeah, yeah, I think it probably took me about the same. So you've got you've got this job that's quite uh, local, sort of short boundaries. You know, it's a group of people in a, in a small town uni program, but you've got this much wider world vision of what's going on. You're obviously passionate about the game and what it can do. You've still got a yearning for Scotland by the sounds of things, but Canada means a lot to you. Is there still a desire to make the rugby world a better place? Is there still a lot for Moff to give? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, if, if anybody wants it, <laughs> some. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. I think absolutely there is. Like, I think it's good. Um, you know, if there's. You know, we've had some unbelievable experiences and met some really great people along the way, and like, I, I just like think now just I'm thinking back just the people that I've had the chance to interact with and chat with you know it's pretty lucky you know in terms of the quality and the levels that they've worked at and so I think there's I do like coach education and I enjoy it in a more informal way I think a lot of the stuff that uh, Rusty's doing is class I think it's really good he's uh, he's challenged me a lot around coaching and how to coach and I think um, yeah I think that's I think there's so much we can do as a coach and the way that we behave and how it influences the environment and I don't think we never we don't think we really take that into consideration I think we often plan for action not necessarily interaction I know I'm a lot more cognizant now in terms of how I coach how I interact uh, really clear on what the outcomes of the sessions that I'm running and stolen this too but is that we're trying to do a pre-mortem as opposed to a post-mortem 
like what what could go wrong let's plan for you know let's plan for that so that's been really really helpful so i love it we're near, we're near at the end, Moff, and your your kids and wife probably deserve some time with you before you disappear on your road trip. Um, but I I do wonder, can you go back or this Moth, this Moth who's found his place in the world and is happy with life and happy with his job and has his routines and is feeling a bit happier with, with most things in life, you then get the chance to go and speak to the Curry under 18 squad or the kids on the rugby course at not Telford College, Edinburgh College. And what, what would your advice to them be looking back on the journey you've had? I think take every opportunity that you get. I think we, uh, I think we're often maybe a bit scared to step outside of our comfort zone. You know, go somewhere a bit different. I, I think I would, rec- I would totally recommend. Just to go and just go and have experiences. You know, go and have an overseas experience. You know, go somewhere else. Get out your comfort zone. You know, it could have been, uh, could have been easy. I could have probably could have stayed at Curry my whole life. You know, but go out and try something. Go go somewhere else. And and I think too as well, Canada's you know like say second tier nation. But the experiences and the fun that you have is like is is ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous. I was laughing with Rob Moffat because they went to Montreal to play. But they didn't really have a game lined up because there'd been some mixed communication. But the team didn't want to play them on the Thursday, but they're happy to host them on the Thursday night in the pub. <laughs> so they had like, you know, <laughs> yeah, they can't play because they're on a playoff run taking it serious, but they'll take you at the pub and party with you all on a Thursday night and still play a game on a Saturday. I'm still trying to figure that out in my head. But I think, yeah, just the, the overseas experiences. Like I went to um, Vale with Andy Muir. Him and I played there for, I don't know what year it was, 2002 or something like that. It was so much fun just to, to go somewhere different. You know, I just look at the contacts everywhere. I talk to Snoopy a lot, who's in, you know, who's in, uh, you know, who's in Hong Kong. He's been a good uh, kind of coach and ally. There's just there's there's people all over the world that, you know, you can go and and see and have different experiences. And I think all them different experiences shape you. Otherwise, you only know one way of doing things. So I think that'd be pretty. That would be my one piece of advice. I think that's a bit of a mic drop moment. I love that. That was class. You pretty much summed up what I keep harping on about on here. So I'm glad it's coming for somebody else. Moff, I've absolutely loved speaking to you. Now, I didn't tee up for this at all. This is the last question. Uh, we've had various different answers to this. I'm interested to hear what's going to come from you. Uh, so for you, Graham Moffat, happiness is? Finish the sentence for me. No, no, no. Come on. you got to be more creative than that. I'm not letting you off for that. I thought that was a setup. I was like, I know the answer. No, no, no. For you, what's happiness? Happiness is summer in Canada, combining my three favourite things, rugby, rodeo, and hanging out with my family. That's what happiness is. Sounds pretty good. I'll, I'll see you next. I'll see you next summer. <laughs> the door's open. <laughs> I, I want to be there when all these uh, players get off the bus for breakfast. I'll I'll help. I'll do the bacon. Yeah, it doesn't cause much stress in your house when you're trying to like feed thirty-five people. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Moff, brilliant to see you. Thank you so much. All the best for the new season. Cheers, Richie. Cheers, my man. 
you got to love that guy. He has pretty much nailed it. Get out there, go and build some relationships, share some experiences and make some memories. Moff did it and he's doing bloody well and it's nice to hear how happy he is with life and with himself. If you've enjoyed it, you can get us on Apple, Acast and Spotify. You can watch on Facebook and YouTube. If you did enjoy it, please leave us a review, tell your friends and make sure everybody else knows. In the meantime, my name is Bruce Aitchison from the Happiness Is podcast and my happiness is egg-shaped. All the very, very best and I look forward to speaking to you all again soon. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And And our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. What's the purpose? And he said happiness is egg-shaped. Um, happiness is egg shaped and loves a circle with no end. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.